As I get ready to welcome our speakers tonight, it's an honor, it's a privilege. You know, how many people have somebody that when you see them in a room, you know everything's going to be okay? You ever have those type of people in your life? If you have some of those people in your life, you better hold on to them and value them and tell them, remind them, maybe after this service, maybe right now, shoot them a quick little text and say, hey, listen, you mean the world to me. Because the tonight's speakers, tonight's pastors mean that to me. We don't even have to talk, but if I see them in a room, I know it's going to be okay. I can look over and say, you know what? They're here. Okay, I'm covered. I'm covered in whatever it is. If we have to pull some weeds, if we have to pray over some brokenness, if we got to heal somebody, whatever it is, they're like Swiss army knives for the kingdom. And I know they got my back. We might have to stab somebody. Whatever it is, I know they got me. Church on the North Coast. Please do me the honor of standing to your feet and making welcome Pastors Marlon and Michelle Sadler as they come to give the word. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Jeremiah, man. <laughs> I love you, man. <laughs> too much. I will cut you, too. <laughs> I love you, man. <laughs> well, awesome, awesome. We are honored, honored, honored to be here tonight. It's always a privilege to to give God's word, uh, especially with my lovely wife tonight. Um, so we are excited uh, to give this word to you tonight. Um, so we always like to start our, um, our services in Wycliffe by saying, Joy is your compass and Jesus, Jesus is, is your, your destination. destination. Amen. Yeah, it's Amen. catchy. <laughs> awesome. We also like to, um, to just give a blessing, like we count our blessings every single day. Amen. Like you should get up every day and you should count your blessings, right? Um, so one of my blessings uh, is uh, we had over the weekend, um, I don't know if you've ever been out to our Wycliffe campus, but uh, it's pretty big. I don't know how many acres it is, but, um, and there are a lot of trees out there. And so I just want to show this video. This is our blessing, uh, my blessing right now. That is your uncle. (laughs) It's a beautiful campus. It's a beautiful uh, property. And these five men took it upon themselves to spend two and a half, three hours out there just cleaning up leaves. And so they are such a blessing. So I just wanted to share that with you uh, tonight with those guys. You know, this is, this is our campus. These are our churches, you know. So if you're not doing serving in some way, trust me, there is something for you to do, you know. So pick up a leaf blower or a paintbrush and ask, uh, ask the pastors at the campuses what they need. Amen? Amen. Uh, we also do a declaration um, in Wycliffe, so if you would do this with us, in Third John 2, do it together. Father God, I thank you that I prosper in all, all things, things and, and in health, health even as, as my soul, mind, will, and emotions, emotions prospers. prospers. Amen. Amen. We have fun. I have fun when we preach together. I do too. It's I fun. enjoy it. <laughs> Raise your hand if you have ever been to a 3D movie. Have you ever seen a 3D movie? There's a difference, right? Like a regular movie is fun to sit there and watch a movie. But once you see one in 3D, 
you don't want to watch a regular movie anymore. Now, some of you might have been, you know, just at the right place at the right time and got these very cool, awesome 3D glasses. The expensive ones. Yes. And if you are one of those people, put them on so when we watch this clip, you can be really cool and enjoy a 3D movie clip. Why the, everyone else just watches a movie clip. <laughs> All right, look to the right. Look to the right. There's a big difference in 3D versus just the regular movie. And did you know there is a 4D? Did you know, like, it, when we went to Universal Studios, there are these 4D experiences where you're watching a 3D, you know, 3D movie, and, but then they also throw in this, like, cool effect where you got, like, rain coming on you, or like, you feel like you got, you're getting zapped on your feet, and you got bugs coming, you know, across... It's this really cool effect, and it's 4D, four dimensions. Did you know that the Bible talks about the four dimensions of God's love? There is a 4D kind of love. Mm -hmm. Look at Ephesians 3.14. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, depth, and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Picture Paul on his knees. He is on his knees crying out for you. That was for the believers. He was crying out for the believers that, God, my prayer is that they would just know the fullness of your love. Not one dimension of your love, but the fullness of your love. That surpasses knowledge, the fullness of your love, the height and the depth and the length and the width. And I thought it interesting that he says in, in this translation, it says passes, but there's another translation where he says surpasses. How can you surpass? Because it's supernatural love. Yeah. It is beyond our understanding God wants us to know the fullness, the fullness of his love and the revelation. So before we go any further, I want to pray like Paul prayed. 
Father God, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Lord Jesus, Father, to the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole heaven and earth is named, that you would grant us, according to your riches and glory, to be strengthened by your spirit in our inner man, that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, depth, and height of your love, to know the knowledge of God that surpasses all our understanding and to the fullness that we would be full of the fullness of your love, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love how it said the scripture says to be rooted and grounded in his love. If we were rooted and grounded in his love, there'd be no room for roots of bitterness. Amen. There'd be no room for roots of any sin. Now, for Paul to be specific and say that we, to, to pray that we would understand, you know, the width and the depth and the height and the length of his love, does that mean that God's love is measurable? And if it is measurable, then what does those measurements mean? And that's what we want to share with you, the four dimensions of God's love. So we'll start, uh, we'll start with the width, the width of his love. There's, there's a few times in the Bible that, that God gives exact measurements for building structures. Uh, first, we, we see it in Genesis where he gives Noah specific measurements for building the ark. And then the Bible goes on in uh, Exodus where he gives Moses exact measurements for building the tabernacle. Uh, and then you see later on David has exact measurements for the temple in First Chronicles. For centuries, we see God, his presence represented in, in the ark, in the, in, the, in the tabernacle, and in the temple. He was very, very precise with his presence on earth, and it was contained for specific people to encounter him. But now, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, we have this, this outpouring of God's love, right, for the entire world to encounter, right? The veil was torn, and in Jesus, there are no more measurements of God's presence or his love. Amen? God's love is, is insanely wide. Like, it extends to every person on the planet, whether you're saved or unsaved. I know, you're thinking, not him, him too. In Matthew 5.45, this is when Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount. He says, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So whether you acknowledge it or not, we are all personal recipients of God's love. Amen? We live in this world and we partake in his many good gifts. When you opened your eyes this morning, you partook in his many good gifts. Do me a favor. Everybody take a deep breath. Let it out. We all just partook in his many good gifts. 
His love is wide. It's wide. It's so wide that it extends to those that refuse to believe in him. That's how wide his love is. His love is wide enough to touch those who are just an outright rebellion against his kind and loving care. That's how wide it is. God's love is so wide and so glorious that it reaches all people groups, right? It doesn't, it's not confined to one family. It's not confined to one race. It's not confined to one nation. One of the problems we have here in the United States of America is that we think that God is an American, right? At any given time, you can go into a high school, uh, I don't know, sporting event and hear you know, the song God Bless America being played as if God ain't blessing Russia or God ain't blessing China or God ain't blessing Israel. One thing we need to understand here in America is that the, 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 the flag, it ain't the cross. And, and, and the Constitution ain't the Bible. God loves the globe. Amen. The song don't say he got America in his hand. It say he got the whole world in his hand. He got the whole world in his hand. His love has no boundaries, y'all. It has no boundaries. Like, it, it covers the up and outers, and it covers the down and outers. It covers those, the, the, the big shots, and it covers the little shots. It covers the ones that ain't even took a shot. It does. It covers women. It covers men. It covers the poor. It covers the rich. It covers the smartest person in this room, and it covers the simplest person in this room. God's love is for the Jew. It's for the Gentile. His love is for the black person, the white person, and every color in between. God's love is for the American. It's for the Armenians. It's for the Russians and the Rwandans. It's for the Chinese and the Chilenos. God's love is for the Mexicans and the Malaysians. His love is for Indians and Indonesians. God's love is wide. It's wide. In Revelation, John takes us up into the throne room, and you got the angels and the elders are worshiping around the throne, and as the Lamb takes the scroll in Revelation 5, 9, the second part of that says, For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation." I don't know. That could have been four people, you know, for all we know. How many people is that? I don't know. Well, look at Revelation 7, 9. After these things, I looked and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, people, and tongues. His love is wide, right? It reaches everyone. The gospel is for whosoever will believe. Whosoever will believe. We don't want God to like him because we don't like him. But that's not how his, his love works, right? It's for anybody, anyone, anywhere, at any time who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's wide. It's a wide, just encompassing love, and it, it doesn't matter what age you are. Some of you know Chuck Wheeler, and Chuck's in, in, in our life group, and, and he, uh, he is an assistant living community, and, and he, he told us a couple of weeks ago, he still goes to the hospice area of the community, and he still prays for people. Chuck's 93 years old. 
He's 93. And, and Michelle asked him, she said, you know, are you, are you praying, still praying for salvation? He said, oh, yeah. She said, have you led anybody to the Lord? He said, oh, yeah. God's love does not discriminate. His love is for the three-year-old and it's for the 93-year-old. Amen? His love is wide. To understand the, the length of God's love, then I think we have to ask ourselves two questions. When did God start loving me? And how long is he going to love me? And I think that's found in the scripture. In Jeremiah 31.3, the Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. So when did God start loving me? When I got saved? No. That's when I started loving him. When I was born? No. That's when my parents started loving me. <laughs> or when our children are born, when we start loving them. I mean, how, how many of us have said, I loved you the moment the doctor gave you to me? Oh, the moment I saw you, I loved you. Which is probably true for us, but it's not true for God. He said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That's how long his love is for us. Long before we were ever born. He has loved us. God's love began in eternity, manifests in time, and goes on into eternity. Ephesians 1.4 says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And go down to verse 5. Predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. Before the world began, before the foundation of the world, God loved you. And this verse, I had never read this verse like this before or didn't understand it because this one tripped me out a lot. Like, this is amazing. Revelation 13, 8. All who dwell, this is talking about the beast, all who dwell on the earth will worship him, the beast, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So if you thought your name was written the moment that you died, like the last entry, you're wrong. Because our names were written in the book of life before the foundation of the world. That's how long his love is for us. That's that everlasting love. Think about that. We... We need to meditate on that. It's because that we don't, that when trouble happens and we get in, when we're hurt, the first thing we do is say, where are you, God? Why have you left me? Do you not love me? Do you not see this? Where he's not left at all and his love is still there, but we can't see him if we don't know it, if we're not meditating on the depth and the height and the width and the length of his love. It began in eternity. It manifests in time, and it goes on into eternity. Jesus said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. It is unbroken. God doesn't, when you sin, he doesn't stop loving you until you repent and then start loving you again. It's unbroken. 
It's unbroken. Psalm 103, 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So how far is the east from the west? Well, if you go north and don't pay attention to this because I'm directionally challenged, but if you go north, you go north, you go north, you're going you're gonna to hit the North Pole. That stops. If you go south and go south, you're going to hit the South Pole and it stops. But if you go east, you go east, you keep going east. And if you go west and west, you're going to keep going west. You're going to keep going. There is no west pole. There is no, there is no east pole. It's continuous. It is that long, the love of God for you. It is infinite. It is unbroken. It began in eternity. It manifests in time and goes on into eternity. Amen. Amen. The depth, the depth of God's love. Like when we were studying this, I mean, I just kept trying to like fathom and wrap it around my mind. Like the depth to go like down. How, how far down, how, how deep his love is. Right, and I looked up a picture of just a, um, a coal miner shaft, you know, and and looking from the top, just looking, it just it just went down, 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 like there was no end. It seemed like you know, it just can't, it, it went down, and and. Church, listen, this is exactly what God did for sinners like you and like me. He came down. Amen. He came down. Amen. Amen? He came down. We all know John 3.16. It tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And this is the reason why God sent Jesus into the world, right? He so loved the world. But, but watch this. He, 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 didn't just, he didn't just come to live this perfect life and provide an example for people to follow, right? There was something else that Jesus did. He came to pay a price. He came to pay a price for our sins, to satisfy God's wrath, and not only that, but to secure salvation for countless people, more than we can number. I mean, it says, out of every nation, tribe, and tongue. But let's go a little bit deeper just to get a clearer understanding of how deep his love is for us. Let's see what the Bible says. Let's look at 1 John 4, 7 through 10. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God has, was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love. And listen to what he says here. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, I was only a C average student. But what I've learned over the years of reading the Bible is when I run into a word that I don't know what it means, it's probably look it up, look up the definition, or just research a word, you know, if you want to go deeper into the things of God. And in verse 10 here, there's a pretty big word, propitiation, propitiation. And 
The word propitiation is a word that's not often used. As a matter of fact, I've never used it in 49 years. But it's a pretty big word here, but it's also a really good word. It's a good word. It's packed with this awesome gospel truth. Like I said, propitiation is just a word that's not often used. It's used maybe in theological Christian discussions unless, unless you know about astronauts and space shuttles. Anybody? Hmm, Okay. If you're familiar with space shuttle missions that NASA launched um, from 1991 to, I think, 2011, they had, I think, 135 uh, missions, right? And it's pretty incredible, like when you really think about it, that this, this aircraft took off from Earth, went out of the atmosphere, orbited the Earth, and then came back into the Earth's atmosphere and landed on a runway like a normal plane. Like, that's pretty incredible, right? And they did 135 of these missions. But here's what's really, really pretty cool. This is incredible. is when you understand what heat the shuttle takes on when it endures as it's coming back into the atmosphere, the heat that it takes, and, and, and not just the heat that the shuttle takes on, but it takes on the heat and it also keeps the... the, the the astronauts cool inside and alive, right? On the bottom of the space shuttle, there's approximately, I think, 25,000 to 30,000 of these ceramic tiles that are on the bottom of the spaceship. And they're, they're designed to take on extreme temperatures of up to, I think, 3,000 degrees Fahrenheit, right? The space shuttle has this thing, it's effective, what's called a TPS. What that is, is that's a thermal protection system on the bottom of the space shuttle. It's a heat shield, okay? You know what they call these tiles? They're called propitiation tiles. Propitiation tiles. They take all the heat. They take on all the heat that keeps these astronauts alive inside. Without this thermal protection system or these propitiation tiles, the astronauts would burn up alive, just like that. You see, when Jesus had our sins laid on him, he had to endure the burning heat of God's wrath, the wrath that we deserved. He took on the heat for us, right? Just just to, to satisfy God's justice. Like he stood in our place as our substitute, because he was a sinless man. And he was the only one that was qualified as as a mediator between God and us. What a man. The only one. He died a death that we should have died. Right? He endured God's flaming wrath that we should have gotten. On February 1st, 2003, um, the shuttle Columbia uh, disintegrated right, as it, as it was entering the Earth's atmosphere. What was later discovered was upon takeoff, there was, um, there was damage that was caused to the aircraft, and it impacted the, the heat shields, right? That meant that without this covering of the propitiation tiles, within seconds of entering the Earth's atmosphere, all, of, all seven of the astronauts were consumed. They died, Right? 
Church, we need, our families need the covering of Jesus' propitiation work on the cross. Amen? Amen? We all need it. Without him taking on our heat, we will burn up in hell. And he didn't just do it for us. He did it for his enemies as well. Right? Like how could we not be moved by what the love of God is in Jesus Christ? That he would endure God's burning justice just for me and just for you, just for us. That he came down from heaven, wrapped himself in flesh that he found in Mary's womb. And not only that, he went down to the depths of hell, to the fury of hell, snatched the keys from the enemy and rescued the souls of the righteous. All by himself he did this. All by himself. What a king. Oh, the depths, the depths of his love. And the last one is the height. And by this dimension, I believe the Apostle Paul is expressing God's ultimate and final purpose for us, which is heaven. Heaven is real. It is a real place. And I read this story of this, uh, this manager who wanted to send uh, one of his managers some flowers. It was a bank. I work for a bank, so that's how I hear these stories. And um, they sent him some flowers to say congratulations on your new location because they, you know, they opened a new branch. But when he got the flowers, it said, deepest sympathy. And the florist said, I'm so sorry that they got mixed up. And he's like, I don't have a problem with it. But whoever was supposed to get deepest sympathy might have a problem with getting some flowers that say, congratulations on your new location. (laughs) But if you think about it, like, that's legit because we should be thankful, right? Celebrating those because heaven is real and it is a place that we all want to go to. Job said in, in chapter 22, he said, is not God in the height of heaven Is not God in the height of heaven? And didn't Jesus say that in my Father's house are many mansions and I'm going to prepare one for you? He called them mansions. He said it. And he's going to prepare one for you? See, sometimes we can think that salvation is just like what Jesus did on the cross was just to save us or forgive us of our sins. And man, if that's, that's where it ends, we do not know the height of his love. If you stop there, look at Romans 8.17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. He didn't, Christ didn't die just for our forgiveness, but to give us new life. We are born again. We are new creations. We are made children of God, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. And if we are then children of God, we get to go to our Father's house. That's the benefit. How high is heaven? That's as high as it gets. How high are we going? As high as it gets. His love is so great that he chose to join us together with him. We are one. We are part of his body. 
We are members, in Ephesians says, we are members of his body, of his flesh and his bones. We will have a physical body (laughs) when Jesus comes back. We will have a physical body. We will not be ghosts. We will not be spirits. Jesus said, Christ, the Bible says, Christ will take our lowly bodies and conform them into his glorious body. We will not have deformities up there. I will not wear contacts in heaven. And maybe Pastor Marlon will have hair. (laughs) It will be one big reunion that we all look forward to and we don't dread. The Bible says we will eat from the Garden of Eden. We will eat from the Tree of Life. That was in the Garden of Eden. There, it says there will be no more aches, no more pains, no more death, no more sorrow, all gone. That's the height of his love. But most important is that we get to be with Christ. We get to be with Christ. He said in First Thessalonians 4, he said, Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Jesus always wanted us right where he is. And you know, once we get there, where we get to sit, because where Jesus is right now is seated at the right hand of the Father. We get to sit with him. Is there any bigger honor? No. Jesus called heaven paradise. He called it paradise. He said, I'll see you in paradise, he told the thief on the cross. Verse 6 says we've got mansions, and then he calls it paradise. And last, though, you and I do not have to die and go to heaven in order to enjoy heaven on earth. All the benefits and the blessings, there for us now. God has given us all authority. The power is in you. When your life manifests the love of God, that's how you bring heaven to earth. And that's how you show the world what heaven looks like. And please, somebody besides myself, knows the song, Ashley, by Belinda Carlisle, that we will make heaven a place on earth. Why? Because the song says, in heaven, love comes first. We can make heaven a place on earth when you manifest the love of God. That is the height of God's love, heaven. Amen, amen. Well, I I know the song, I don't know the person, and... I, re- I rebuke that whole hair thing because I cut my hair in ninth grade and never looked back. So I heard it made you, I heard it made you aerodynamic, man, and I ran track and I, I cut it off. So, yeah, no thank you. <laughs> yes, why well, I cut it off. So as we close, as we close, <laughs> to know the love of Christ, to know the love of Christ, to know the love of Christ. How could you refuse such a loving God? How could you refuse him? Like if we were 
if we were to be full of this love and, and just know the knowledge, have the knowledge of this love, every one of us in here, if we knew that, that that's in you, we would be completely transformed. We would be completely transformed. The Greek word for love in this passage, there's, there's three primary words that they use for love. It's uh, eros, uh, phileo, and, and agape. And in this passage, uh, the Greek word for love is agape. And an agape love has nothing to do with the one being loved. Right, but it, but it's all about the character of the lover. Mm-hmm. All about the character of the lover. So the love of God has nothing to do with the object of His love, but the love of God is based on the character of the one who loves us. Jesus, through God, and stand with me. Jesus, through God. He loves us. He, he simply loves us. When, when you got up this morning, he loved you. Before you close your eyes and go to sleep tonight, he loves you. When When you're doing things that you have no business doing, he loves you. When you are in places that you have no business being, God simply loves you. It ain't ain't the kind of love that we have, right? Because I got to earn everybody's love out here. I'm looked at funny because I might have three stripes on my shoe. I got to earn love from you. But, but God, when we act in ways that are displeasing to him, when we're unlovable, when we're stubborn, when we're disobedient, when we don't want to act right, we don't want to talk right, we don't want to live right, God still loves you. It's immeasurable. It's just a love that's immeasurable. Like the one who who came down from where he was surrounded by seraphim and, and angels and elders who were casting their crowns down before him, just singing, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, the one who is and, and, and was and is to come. He left it. He left all of that to come down here, put on flesh, and dwell amongst sinners like us. He left a soundtrack for him to come down here, put on a human body be amongst humanity. He did it for 30 years. He was so convincing. He was so convincing 
They thought he was just a man. They thought he was just a man. And then he operated. He operated in the spirit to show what a supernatural life looks like. The one who was God, who was co-equal, who was co-eternal, who was co-existent. Co-existing with the Father. Became a man and lived a righteous life. He did it so he could give you and I a righteous life. Right? He gave us his righteous life. He took on our unrighteous life and was the propitiation for our sins. All because... He loves us. What a king. And so tonight, we just want to end this message with the prayer that Paul prayed. Not for them, but he prayed it for us. So if you want to come up, we're going to kneel. We're going to hit our knees. If you want to use your chair as an altar, go for it. If not, stand Raise your hands. We want to pray that prayer that Paul prayed for us. through faith, that we being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ was past his knowledge, that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Father, that this week that you would open up our hearts, God, to not only know your love, but to to be filled to overflowing with your love, Father. Use our lives, Father, for your glory. We surrender to you tonight. We just want to know you better, God. love you and we bless you today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've never given your life to Christ, we want to give you that opportunity to do that tonight. We're going to have some of our pastors and altar ministers come up here tonight. If you've never done it, 
It's the most important thing you'll ever do. We won't say a prayer. I want you to come up and just surrender if that's you. I want to thank you guys for having us tonight. It's always a pleasure to be here. Remember to live right, love everybody, and pray hard. We'll see you guys next week.